25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Subjectively Speaking. I am Laura, and you may be a little bit confused because normally when you hear the start of our show... It's Jeremy, um, and both of us are here, but you are coming into a very special two-part episode um, where only one of us is going to be on each episode, and we are going to be doing our special end-of-the-season exit interviews, um, and we are so lucky to be joined by one of our really, really great friends, Steven. You've heard him on the show before. Um, so Stephen is going to ask both Jeremy and I a series of questions about the season, about the podcast, um, and you're going to get our kind of general overview on how both things went. So hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me to do this. I am a huge fan of you guys, and so... It's sad to see that the Blue Jacket season is over and they aren't still currently playing hockey, but all the same um, for longtime listeners of Subjectively Speaking, you all did exit interviews after the end of last season. And yes. so you, Laura, will probably recognize some of these questions and some of them may seem familiar, but I've added a little bit of, uh, a little bit of my own personal touch on some of these questions uh, to ask you all here at the end of this season as we wrap up this hockey season for the Blue Jackets. So, Laura, are you ready for I am your ready. exit interview? Yes, let's do it. All right. Well, we'll, we will kick things off the same way last exit interview started, which is by grading the different parts of this season. So, overall, Laura, what, what grade would you give this season, considering it's the first 82 full game season since the 2018-2019 NHL season? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, oh, and Jeremy's going to make fun of me because I think I'm going to grade it a little bit higher than he will. Um, but I'm going to give it a B minus because, um, let's see. Yes. Okay. Um, I was just making sure there weren't other questions that, that I would need to further explain. So, but a B minus because first of all, yes, we're not going, we're not in the playoffs, but we kind of knew that going into the whole season. But I think there were so many positive things that happened for the Blue Jackets um, over the course of this season, um, including a continued effort all the way to the end um, finishing at almost 500, um, and really just proving all of the like critics and analysts, like from the start of the season wrong, that we were going to end up being in the bottom of the, Met not even just the Metro, but the bottom of the entire NHL. And we are not that whatsoever. Um, so I just think a lot of positive things have happened. And I think moving forward, we've set ourselves up for like continued success and growth over the next couple of seasons and beyond hopefully. Um, so we may not be in the playoffs. We may have had some really long stretches of like not great times, but overall I think 
I think a B minus is the appropriate grade. Blue Jackets finished 37 and 38 with seven overtime losses right in the middle. B minus feels pretty appropriate for that, I would say. So I hope Jeremy doesn't give you any slack for that grade. <laughs> Our next question is about grading from the transfer deadline. What grade would you give the Max Domi Aiden trade? Um, Hershuk? Hershuk. Hershuk, thank you. Yes. Aiden Hershuk and Max Domi trade at the deadline that the Blue Jackets made. Ooh, so this is like a hard one for me because I love Max Domi. I loved him being a Blue Jacket. Um, and I think if you would have asked me right when it happened, I would have given it a much lower grade. But now that I've had some time to think about it and like look at Max's time as a Blue Jacket, as much as I love his personality and I loved us getting another player that had like somewhat of a, a, a following or a presence amongst other hockey fans, um, Max just, it just didn't work out. Like it didn't pan out to what I think we or what the organization had anticipated getting out of him. Now there's a lot of factors that can contribute to that, particularly COVID um, and just all, all of those effects um, on the league and on every team. Um, but he just never fully in the basically two seasons that he was with us, he just never fully settled into a role. Um, and he had some bright moments here or there, but even towards the end of his time with us leading up to the trade deadline, you know, he was being helpful for other players, but like his own personal development wasn't there. Um, so I think in, in that realm of things, like I'm going to give the trade like a B plus because the likelihood that anything super comes of this defenseman prospect that we acquired is kind of 50 50 like um he may eventually make it into the organization like he'll for sure maybe see some time in cleveland depending on how long he is in our system but i think for max too he's now getting another opportunity to like find a place where he fits now, both Jeremy and I don't believe that he'll stay in Carolina. Um, he doesn't really, in our opinion, match Carolina's style of play. Um, he's definitely going to help them out in the playoffs, but they also don't really have the cap space for him. So he will more than likely be headed to another team in the offseason. But we want nothing but the best for him, and we hope that he ends up in a place where he can stay long-term and where he can like find his game. Cause it just, yeah, it just unfortunately didn't work out in Columbus. So I think it's a better deal for both of us. So B plus on that trade. Fair enough. I like that answer. So moving on to our next question, another grade that we're giving out is to head coach Brad Larson in his first season with the Columbus blue jackets at the helm. What grade? would you give Brad Larson considering this is his first full season as Blue Jackets head coach? Yes, I, I'm going to give, I know right away. I'm also going to give Brad's first year a B plus. Um, okay. I think 
as a first year co- a first year head coach um it was a pretty great season for him i mean obviously like he was coming into a very difficult situation he was coming in at the start of a rebuild to a team that had just wiped out most of its previous leadership team uh, or leadership core had gotten rid of a long-term coach and had experienced a devastating like personal human tragedy um and a city that was not necessarily excited about a rebuild and so he had a lot of things um up against him when he first started and i said this the other day um in our last episode but if you weren't inspired after his first press conference then you weren't listening um i think lars has a really like he has big goals for this team, but I don't think that they are so big that they're unattainable. And that's really the important thing with a coach. Um, I think sometimes coaches can come into circumstances, especially when it's their first year as a head coach um, and they really want to prove themselves. I think coaches can have some outlandish expectations of their team and their organization. And Lars isn't that way at all. Lars meets his players where they're at and helps them like individually and as a team meet their next expected goals. Like whatever that player wants to accomplish in that season, Lars is going to be there to help him do that. And whatever the team wants to accomplish, like in a season, he's going to do whatever he can to make that happen and support them along the way. So I think his history through his coaching career and being a former player um, and just his his look on life, um, I think he has been a very level-headed and steady transition for this organization. And I'm excited to see what the next couple of years of his contract look like. Um, but I definitely think that we made the right choice in, in keeping – with him and letting him show what he could do. So definitely giving Lars a B plus. A great grade. I have to admit when listening to you and Jeremy talking about Brad Larson coming on and being the next head coach after torts, it gave me a little bit of optimism that a rebuilding year could be a little bit more than um, be more than just a rebuild, be more than just that. And it turns out it was that. And you spoke a little bit about Brad Larson getting the most out of individual players. And that's where I want to shift to next is talking about some of your favorite individual performances of the season by handing out your three stars of the season to the most deserving Blue Jackets players this season. So one, two, and three stars, whatever order you want to go, Uh, who have you got? Okay. I think... Hmm. Cause there's so, and I, Oh, there's so many ways I could go with this, but I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to be me and be the player. And, and again, like I said, Jeremy's going to laugh because I'm just such a Homer, but <laughs> we wouldn't want you to be anyone else but you, Laura. <laughs> I am the more emotional one of the two of us. So it's fine. But I'm going to get, I do have like legitimate like stats that back this up. This is not emotion, just emotions, but 
I'm going to give the number three star to Cole Cylinder. Um, it's a huge joke in in Blue Jackets land. You know, he's did you know he's only 18 years old? Um, I have been from day from the moment that we drafted him, continuously impressed with Cole Cylinder. Um, again, to be 18 years old, to be the only player in his draft class to play the entire NHL season, to have the kind of season that he had, and to already be able to hold himself in a manner with the press, with his teammates, with fans that is so mature about beyond his years, like he's just been impressive on all levels. His exit interview was one of the more like eloquent and like well-spoken. He has like, you know, he knows his trajectory and he is bound and determined to stick to it. And he knows the role he's going to play on this team and he's excited about it. Um, And so I think that we have a really great opportunity to turn Cole Sillinger into the future of the Blue Jackets. And so for his rookie season, I'm giving him the third star. Oh, then now we, now it gets complicated. Um, and he's going to be mad, but I'm going to tie the second star. I'm going to tie the second star. And it's a tie between? It's a tie between Boone Jenner and Elvis. Um, Boone and Elvis, okay. Yes. So... Boone, obviously, first-year captain, um, really, much like Brad Larson, had a very difficult situation put in front of him. You know, he saw a lot of his long-term teammates, friends get traded away or choose, you know, choose to leave, you know, in situations like Nick Foligno. Um, And so he saw a very young locker room a brand new leadership core with him at the helm, a new coach, an all new coaching staff with the few exceptions of a couple of guys and a, an outlook from the rest of the hockey world that his team was going to be absolute garbage. And he took this opportunity and ran with it and led by example. Cause not only did Boone have one of his own personal best seasons, that was unfortunately ended early by um, a back injury because Lord only knows if he had stayed healthy, he would have had a 30-plus goal season. Um, And who knows how some of our more difficult games would have gone had him been able to stay in the lineup. But he pushed and motivated the whole team. You can listen to any number of interviews throughout the entire season where Boone's leadership qualities are noted, where his presence in the locker room is like such a positive force. And to even when he was injured to continue traveling with the team so that he could be there for those moments when they needed him, when they needed his leadership presence off the ice. That's how important his presence was this year. And those were some big shoes to fill. Like, Nick Felino is not, he was not a quiet captain and his, his shadow is huge 
And for Boone to come in and be able to fill it as well as he did in his first year and still perform at his best, like, no question. And then obviously Elvis, because I I just love him. There's just no, like, he is such a presence on and off the ice for this team. He, if you're looking for someone to exemplify the, like, spirit of Columbus, it is Elvis. And we've learned, you know, so much more about what he, I mean, obviously we knew going into this season, he was going to have a lot to overcome both personally and professionally. Um, And I think he even more so now feels ready to fill that number one goalie slot. And I think after this summer and right now he's performing in the world championships for Latvia. I think we're going to see a very different Elvis when he comes back for the start of this next season. And we should be excited about that. And we talked about this last night on our live stream, but Having a quality goaltender who is also passionate about the success of the whole team is such, it makes such a difference. And that is what Elvis is. He loves his teammates. He loves this team. He loves the city of Columbus and he's a pretty damn good goaltender. And that, not that Bob wasn't a great goaltender. He was obviously he won the Vesna twice as a blue jacket But I think that that love and admiration for the team and for the city and for the organization wasn't there a lot of the times and that showed. And so I think we're kind of getting more of the full package with Elvis and his performance and his ability to overcome and to push himself and to want to push himself for the success of the team and not just his own successes is why I'm tying him with Boone Jenner. Okay. So everyone's going to be kind of shocked about this first star. I think first star, the first star, my first star is going to Jakob Voracek, which I think if anyone would have asked me in the beginning of this season, um, I would not have said that uh, because obviously we attained uh, obtained uh, Jake via the trade that got Cam resulted in Cam Atkinson leaving Columbus, and um, it's not that like I bl- I blamed Jake, but it was one of those things where it's like I don't want to like you because you're here, which means my favorite player isn't here anymore. And over the course of this season, he has won me over his vet his veteran presence in the locker room on and off the ice his just ability to read plays and to really do whatever he can put his body on the line um put his uh penalty minute records on the line uh for this team and to help the team i mean god he finished with 50 plus assists this season, I mean, I think he's like maybe two away from Artemi Panarin's record. And obviously he wants to score more goals um, too, to sort of equal those things out. But goodness gracious, some of our most beautiful goals this season came off of an assist from Jakob Um 
And again, another because I'm so, because I'm such a homer. He's another one of those guys. Like he started his career in Columbus, left, spent ten years in Philadelphia, and was excited to come back. Was excited to be a part. And he even said, like, he was one of the first people to say that we weren't necessarily in a rebuild um, because he says you don't trade for me if you're rebuilding and you don't expect to win. And that's the kind of attitude that I think we need um, to not just sit back on our laurels and like wait for this process to be over. You have to work through the process and yeah, you're going to have shitty moments, but you're also going to have some really great ones. And he seems like the kind of guy that really pushes the other players through the tough moments and through the like, Hey, we just lost six games in a row sort of situations. Like, um, he's got real dad energy, which I also appreciate. Um, so yeah, my, my number one star is going to be uh, Jake Voracek. All great choices. Three stars for Cole Sillinger, two stars for Boone and Elvis, and the first star goes to Voracek, which leads us to our last grade, sort of, that we're going to be giving out for this portion of the exit interview but it's more so of just commentary instead of a grade. But I want to go to the other end of the spectrum now and think about and ask about if there's a player that failed to meet your expectations this season and who that might be and maybe a couple of reasons why they failed to meet your expectations. Yes, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show. I try not to because I, I don't super enjoy speaking. Uh, negatively especially about players that I know are struggling and they know that they're struggling I tend not to want to add to that but I don't think any Blue Jackets fan would disagree with me in this but Emil Bemstrom just really is not living up to expectations um when we drafted him Do we draft or trade for him? I don't remember. However, we obtained him. He was having an incredible um, year in Sweden. He was just like this dynamic, like goal scorer, had this crazy shot, like all these sorts of things. So entirely made sense that Yarma would want him over here. Um, And we've we've seen a little bit of it here or there. Um, but this season in particular, it just wasn't there. Um, now granted he did get sidelined with an injury very early, like before the season even started in one of the preseason games, he got injured, um, which obviously sidelined him for quite a while. So his season didn't get started until later. And honestly, by the time his season had started, we were in such a rhythm with the players that we already had that he it was hard for him to get an opportunity to play and that's not necessarily his fault um I do think the organization shorthanded him a little bit in not just letting him go and play in Cleveland to like he did a little bit but not really like they could have really let him go down there like really work through some things and get some ice time. Cause that's the issue, especially when you're coming off of a, a, an injury, like he was like the important thing, regardless of where they're playing is that they're getting ice time, not to have them sit as a 
as a healthy scratch or, you know, just like kind of hovering in no man's land. Like they need to be playing. Um, and especially for someone like Bemstrom, who has just not, he's not found his rhythm here. He's not, and that could be for a combination of things. It's be, you know, American or North American hockey is very different from European hockey. Um, we could not, we might just not have like line mates that work well with his, his style. Um, some players have a harder time switching coaches in the middle of their time on a team. So like, there's a lot of factors that can go into it, but he just has not lived up to expectation. And what we're going into in this upcoming season is we have a lot of forwards. We have a lot of forwards on our team. And we also have more people that are expected to come in from various things, whether it be the pipeline or trades or whatever. And we do not have enough spots like the plain and simple, like it's kind of, it's a kind of a good problem to have, but if you ask Jeremy or I, and you look at the players that we have just now without the free agency, without the draft, all that sort of stuff, there's not a spot for Emil Bemistrom. There's just not. And so if I were him, I think I would ask, um, I don't know what his status is going to be. I don't know if he's going to be an RFA, but they can ask to go back and play in Europe. So I think it would be best for him to go back and like get his confidence back. Cause that's the other thing. He's just not very confident in himself um, and his play. So I, I would ask um, or try and see if, if he could go back and play in Sweden um, and just find his play again. And then maybe um, he can make his way back into the NHL. But yeah, he's been the real bummer for me this season, unfortunately. Yeah. And so that concludes our first segment of the exit interview. We're going to move past grades and move into a little bit of an intermission. We're going to step back a little bit. And from the player specific CBJ questions gotcha. and ask a little bit uh, more personal subjective questions, if you will, subjectively speaking. Um, the next question that I have for you is Laura, what was your favorite game of the season? Ooh. I know everyone, most people I think would say like Rick Nash's retirement but the thing is, is like, which was awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. Great experience. So glad we could be there. Um, but we didn't win that game. And it was a really frustrating loss to lose to Boston in overtime. Like, especially because like N- Nick had also come back and it was Rick's retirement. And like, you kind of want to be in a situation where when you have that big of an event, when you're kind of on like the the league, like all the league is looking at you on one night to win. Um, And so that was really frustrating, but like the night itself also fun, but I'm going to say that my favorite game was when we shut out Carolina six, nothing in Carolina. Um, Because that Carolina is such a team that, I don't think they'll ever become like our true rivals, but they just have such an 
obnoxious personality as a team. And they had really laid into us um, on New Year's Day and like just kind of embarrassed us on our home ice. And so for us to come back and have an opportunity to not only beat them at, in, in their arena, but to shut them out six, nothing like that was really nice. It was, it was a really nice um, day. And so that I think is my favorite, my favorite game of the season. Absolutely. And I know that you were also at the home opener when the blue jackets beat the coyotes eight to two. Yes. I was at that game as well. That was one of my favorites. I know this is your exit interview, but I know you were there at that game too. It was a lot of fun seeing eight goals. It was. And especially again, like I, I've said a million times, but like in a season when no one thought we would, we, they were like, you'll win 13 games. Um, and then to open the season with an eight two victory, like it was just, it was amazing. Immediate confidence boost. Yes. And so I know that the Blue Jackets season is over, but NHL still rolls on without Columbus as part of it. I want to know your Stanley Cup Final Four prediction. And if you want to go so far as a final and a champion, you're more than welcome to as well. Yes. I. So we talked a little bit about it on the show, um, and we have been uh, participating in these live stream watch-alongs for our network um, which is always funny when people find out that we're a Blue Jackets podcast and they're like, why are you, <laughs> why are you doing these watch alongs? And it's because hockey still exists, even if your team isn't in um, the fight, isn't in this, the playoffs. And we're, you know, we are students of this game. We do pay attention more so now that we've been doing the show, but um, we do pay attention to the whole league because you have to, if you're in a playoff race like to get into you need to know what your competition is doing um but also because it's fun every single team has such crazy experiences um throughout the the season um so it's interesting to like follow along with them but so i have let's see i'm trying to remember exactly but i have in the final i know this for sure I have the Calgary Flames and the Florida Panthers. So I have the Calgary Flames winning the West, the Panthers winning the East, um, and facing off. Technically, that's what Jeremy has, according to our um, Stanley Cup Cup contest, but that's because he messed up his bracket, and I laugh at him for it every day. Um, (laughs) But I also, the issue is with this first round is, there are very few teams minus the Colorado Avalanche, which I'm very sorry, Stephen, are murdering the Predators. Um, <laughs> there, there are teams that you thought would be like absolute winners in a circumstance that are really doing everything to prove that to be incorrect. Um, and so it's kind of looking like There's potential that our brackets, both mine and Jeremy's, could be broken very early in this circumstance, which sucks because I hate I hate that Um, because it just feels very much so like my luck. But I do have the Calgary Flames taking the West and the Panthers taking the East, and I have the Panthers raising the Stanley Cup. 
Um, I they had, the cup. Yes, I hate that it would be going back to Florida, but it is also being raised. But it would be raised by the other Florida team and not the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is ultimately my goal overall. Honestly, any team minus the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins, any team but those three, Tampa, Boston, and the Pens, any other team could raise that cup and I would be so excited for them. Um, Cause I'm just, I'm just tired of the lightning winning and I think it's boring. I think a three Pete would be boring. I think it would be super obnoxious and boring for Pat Maroon to, to win four Stanley cups in a row. Cause I find him very obnoxious. So I'm sure I'm gonna get some flack for that, but any, just any other team. I think another team deserves to win. I'm tired of the Lightning winning. But so I have the Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers. So currently as it stands, before the games take place this evening on May 9th, just to date what we're doing, I suppose, uh, the Capitals lead the Panthers 2-1 to one, and the Dallas Stars lead the Calgary Flames 2-1. to one. There's nothing like playoff hockey, though. Things <laughs> can change on a dime. So... Flames versus Panthers. Sounds like Laura and Jeremy both have that. So we will see how that plays out. But that is the end of intermission. So now we're going to jump back into the Blue Jackets season here and talk more about the end of season and the off season and okay. where the Blue Jackets go from here. But before we get into the off season, I want to hear a quick hit on what your biggest takeaway from this season is. Oh, biggest takeaway. I think my biggest takeaway is never quit and always be open to growth. I think being we are the we are the youngest team in the league um, by a pretty decent margin, and we're going to continue that for a while because we have, I mean, other than potentially adding a veteran presence down the middle and our forwards, hopefully um, we're going to be just adding younger and younger guys to our lineup. So I think that those are important lessons for young players in the league that even when things aren't going your way, don't quit, push through, give 110% every single night. Yes. It sounds cliche, but you're playing in the best hockey league in the world and you're going to be playing up against players that are going to go down in history as some of the best hockey players we've ever seen like these are opportunities that don't come around and you're 18 19 21 22 however and you're living not only your own dreams but the dreams of so many that will never come true and no matter what team you're on, but particularly when you're on the Blue Jackets and things can le- look bleak at times, never quit. But also don't be so assured of yourself and cocky that you don't think that there are things you can improve upon. And I think a lot of our young guys learned that this season um, because there were moments when Lars would take people out of games, either healthy scratch them or bench them during a game. 
if they weren't listening or they weren't getting what he was trying to get them to do. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, you know, because you have this perspective of the Cole Cylinders, the Igor Chinnikovs, the Kent Johnsons, Nick Blankenbergs of the world, like, oh, they're these all-star young bucks, whatever, you need to play them. Well, yeah, sure, but you also need to teach them how to play in this league Um, because juniors and college hockey is not the same as playing in the NHL. And watching as a fan is not the same as watching as a team member. And so those are all things that need to get done. And I even say this too, if a player gets sent down to Cleveland at any point, that shouldn't be looked at as like a punishment. Um, There was like, Elvis ruffled from some feathers when he first started his first season here because he got sent down to Cleveland and this is before he like calmed down <laughs> a little bit. And he was like outwardly very pissed. You know, he was said, I didn't come over here to play in Cleveland. I came over here to play in the NHL. And it's like that kind of attitude where you're like, you're too big for your britches, my friend. Like, and you, you're getting the opportunity right now to learn how to best do your job. So to make a long story short, those are the two, two takeaways I have from this season. Never quit and always grow. And speaking of growing, I saw a stat in the end of season Blue Jackets numbers by like season by the numbers newsletter that they sent out that I want to jump to. Yes. Um, and just get your reaction on. There were 15 players who made their Columbus Blue Jackets debut this season, 10 of which made their NHL debut. So very young team, a lot of new faces. Thoughts or comments on that stat and that number? Um, I think it's a really cool stat. Um, obviously, like there are so many other teams in the league that are so much more established um right now in their rosters than we are um so they don't really have as many um sort of inductions into the league as we do um and you know there's multiple factors for for why that stat is so high for us this year but i will never stop loving watching a player have his first nhl game in a blue jacket sweater like and them getting to do their like rookie lap Um, at the start of the game like that's just such a cool moment and that's something that for forever in their career like Columbus is where it started Um, and I think that's a big important thing too and you know we've had a lot of really like successful moments here and there with out of those 15 that you know uh, laced up for us this season so I wouldn't take any of those away Um, but we'll see if it's as high (laughs) going forward uh, but no, I love it, and it it will always make me happy to see someone uh, play their first games as a Blue Jacket. Absolutely. It's a moment they will never forget. And so I want to shift now into thinking about the offseason, a couple of questions related to that. First and foremost, what changes, Laura, do you want to see the Blue Jackets make during this offseason? Let's see. So we continue to be very weak 
Um, and I don't want to say very weak because we 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 make do, but like we absolutely need a firm first line center. Um, our first line center for three quarters of this season was Boone Jenner. Um, and he did everything that we could have asked him to do. That role is not ideal for Boone. Like it's not his, like where he can really shine. He's definitely more, he can play wing or center. He goes back and forth depending on where he's needed, but, um, we definitely need like a stronger, like all-star center, especially if we're going to sign Patrick Line long-term. Um, he needs someone. He and Jakob Vortek have, have really found like a, a rhythm themselves. So to find that like, combining piece would be really, really great. Um yeah, and we it's kind of up in the air what we're going to be doing with our 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 goalie situation. Like obviously Elvis is here to stay. Like that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm referring to is like this confusing circumstance that we're in in regards to Corpy and if we're going to re-sign Corpy. Um had he not gotten injured at the end of the season, the answer I believe would have been like, we're not going to, and like he can go into free agency and we basically lose him for nothing, or we would have traded him at the trade deadline. Um, but it has been rumored that we're going to keep him on, which is going to make things interesting. Um, and also we have, we have such a goalie pipeline that it's weird. Like, because Elvis wants to be the number one, but we also have to like figure out who we're keeping in Cleveland and who we're going to have as this like full-time backup. Um, and so I'll be interested to see what they do with that and what direction that they decide to take in it, but they definitely need to make some decisions because we technically have like too many people in the pipeline um, for goalies. Between the pipes. Yes. <laughs> Between the pipes and the pipeline. Yes. Too many, yes. too many people. Um, so yeah. And defensively we need to just, we need to get rid of a few stragglers that like, we're not doing them any good. They're not doing us any good. You know, Scott Harrington basically didn't play at all this season. He played some in Cleveland, but like he really just, we could move on from a couple of our defensemen. Um, to like shore things up and like really get our, our core tight. Um, but yeah, those are basically, we don't have a lot that we need to do. Um, but those are kind of my key for all three areas. All right. Well, the question that I want to ask next is on the opposite end of the spectrum of the stragglers that you're mentioning. And I want to talk about the untouchables of the off season who falls into that category for you during this off season for who should be left alone and stay on the blue jackets and should be untouchable for this off season. Oh, I think <clears throat> obviously, well, and this all depends on his contract, but um, Patrick line has expressed that he wants to stay in Columbus 
Columbus has very much so um, expressed that we want Patrick to stay in Columbus. Um, it's all down to the terms and the money at this point. So in my mind, we would be super stupid to let him go. Like, obviously, we still own his rights for another year. Um, but we would just be dumb. Like it would, it just would not make any sense like to not figure out the numbers. And I fully, like I have full faith in Yarmo to like get it figured out. It's just the, the uncertainty of what that will look like. Um, and I, I don't want us to get, I, I really don't want to have to sign him in like a bridge deal, um, that would get him to like his UFA years. Because I think you need to reward him. He's starting to be the type of player that we always knew he was could be. And he wants to be here. And I think from what I know of how the team wants to go forward, he is a big part of that plan. So he's an untouchable Um. Obviously, Elvis, for me, is an untouchable, but that's a given. Um, I think Zach is an untouchable. And unless, for some reason, some dream defenseman could become available in a circumstance, but I just don't think that they're going to do that. Um, and... I'm going to go Oliver. Um, I think we have, we're just on the precipice of Oliver hitting his like prime and peak performance. So I think that we would be dumb again to not let him achieve that as a blue jacket. Absolutely. Line A, Wierenski and Bjorkstrand are, definitely some of the key folks left over in the organization and so making them untouchable from a non-hockey expert point of view would be a fantastic idea and so laura now we're going to move into our second intermission much like in the actual hockey game itself <laughs> um and i have a special surprise question that neither of you know about that i've thrown Ooh, in yeah. here before the last couple questions of our exit interview. And so my special surprise question comes in the form of the Fantasy Hockey League that Ooh. you yourself were crowned the champion of over Jeremy. And so that's why this is the special <laughs> surprise question in that he doesn't know that I will also be asking him his take on his second place finish to you. But mm -hmm. this is your exit interview, and I would like to hear your end-of-season exit interview thoughts on your championship run this year in the Subjectively Speaking Fantasy Hockey League. Ooh, yes, I love this. Um, so first of all, no one's more shocked than me. No one's more shocked than me that I actually won. Um, I took – so I've said it before on, on the show, but – the first time I ever played fantasy hockey was last year. It was terrible. I ended up dead last, um, mainly because I didn't know how it worked. Also because Jeremy kept promising that he was going to tell me how to do things, and he never did. Um, 
hello adult attention deficit disorder um and it so it just was terrible so i very much so came into this season like determined that i was gonna do better and honestly my only goal was that i didn't end up last like i didn't want to end last i just wanted to like just not do that i would have been happy with anything um and obviously like during the draft um i'm also making it look like jeremy makes fun of me all the time which he kind of does but it's all in good fun um he made many no notes of how many blue jackets i had on my team which wasn't a lot in comparison i think the year before i had had much more um but i have a kind of like a superstitious tendency where i'm like if i don't believe in my own team then how can i believe like in other like in other players so i was very like determined to keep any blue jacket that i had on my team on my team to the end and the only one that didn't make it all the way to the end was boone jenner but that's because he got injured and they kind of were like he's not gonna come back like for the rest of the season so it's like i had an opportunity because it was like really close towards the end um with everyone that i was like i need to get a player in here that can like get me some points um but i also did this thing where i kind of like i might my, my like way of looking at it is like keep your friends close but your enemies closer so i also had people on my team that i like vehemently dislike um i had artemi panarin and pierre luc dubois on my fantasy team and which makes no sense if you hear any way i talk about either one of them i a little less hate for pierre luc dubois um he did some you know very nice things in regards to um kivy uh after kibby's passing and all that sort of stuff and was very respectful um but yeah and they both earned me a crap ton of points like both of them had like stellar seasons um i also had frederick anderson as my other goaltender um so his combination with elvis um even though they both had kind of up and down seasons it worked out well for me um and then towards the end I got a little bit more selective and like started moving some players around, started really monitoring what players were doing and producing. So I did make some changes because um, actually uh, Panarin didn't make it on my team all the way to the end. He got injured in, I want to say it was like the week before the end of the season. And I was like, oh, I cannot have this dead weight. Like, I cannot have this dead weight on my team. So I, like, quickly got him off, grabbed another player that had had a hot streak. Um, and even I had benched Freddie Anderson because he got injured in the last six or seven games of the hurricane season and picked up another goalie. I, like, was skating less forwards in order to have three goalies because I wasn't sure if Freddie was going to come back or not. So I started getting really like playing the game situation um, and still it came down to the bitter end as to whether or not I was going to win um, the whole thing. I think Jeremy and I were separated by like two points, something of that nature. The, I final, the, 
Yeah, the final score was 64.7 to 61.1. So just yeah. about a three to four point difference in the very end between you two. And honestly, like if either one of us had made like one, I want to say it was like one player difference based on our benches. Because if I had moved Ryan O'Reilly up from my bench in any of like the last two games that the blues played, I would have like blown Jeremy out of the water. And if he had, I don't remember what the player was, but if he had moved someone, he would have definitely won. Like, cause it, it very much so came down to um, just really who you were playing and how like selective you were. But I will say the greatest like upset was Jeremy beating Kelly in the semifinal round um and kelly my heart still goes out to you you should have had that <laughs> oh my goodness well it was a very fun time congratulations laura on your victory in the Thank fantasy you. hockey league and only your second season very impressive from last to first what will next <laughs> year bring i guess we will find out exactly but that is where I want to move for the final portion of our interview is where do we go from here? But I want to ask specifically about subjectively speaking, this podcast, okay. your vision, you and Jeremy together, right? You have had some fantastic interviews throughout this second season that you all have done this podcast for. And I want to run through some of the names and I hope, I hope I have not forgotten anybody on this list but you all have interviewed matt pfeiffer matt pfeffer matt pfeffer yep yes matt pfeffer sorry matt matt pfeffer mike todd deanna weinheimer spencer sailor jeff jeff svoboda Catherine dobbs peter lovins dylan tyrer incredible interviews all of them in their own ways bringing different insight I'm curious, I won't ask you who your favorite interview was because that feels unfair, but I want to hear some of your favorite moments or favorite insights that you have personally gained and gathered from interviewing all of these fantastic folks. Oh, yes. So I what I think is hilarious is we always, I've always been impressed with how we handle interviews, like when we're actually in the moment. But for anyone, if you were a fly on the wall in either Jeremy and I's apartments leading up to interviews. We are like, we're on the phone with each other going, Oh my God, what, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to be like, what, <laughs> you know, don't do anything stupid. Like there was an instance when we first started doing interviews where I had a tendency to tell people that they were like our number one on our list. And I said it kind of like three or four times in a row and this is the fun part of having a, a business with your best friend is that sometimes you have to have conversations where it's like, you need to stop saying that because it starts becoming, he's like, I know you mean it. He's like, I know that you in your excitement are genuine about having this person on our podcast, but it sounds disingenuine, like over the course of the interviews. Um, so that was like, oh yeah, no, I need to stop telling people that there are a number one, um, but so we we get very like nervous and kind of freaked out before interviews, but we always pull it together. Um, and I think all of our interviews have gone like really well, um, which is shocking because I don't know that we thought that they would. 
um, in this sort of format, but I've learned so much like from, from all of our guests. I'm always amazed when someone agrees to do the show um, and always feel like incredibly flattered. And especially when they like are really good about sharing the show, like after it comes out, like when you can tell that someone enjoyed also talking with us, that's like a big deal um, for me. And as we've like, if you go through that list of people, like you kind of see the progression of like the relationships that we've been building throughout having the show. And that for me, and I think I speak for Jeremy in this too, is like so important to us that we've built the six, like our success and built our relationships like in the right way or in, in a way that feels right to us. Cause I don't think there's a right or wrong way, but like, to where these are lasting connections that we have. They're not just temporary, like, you know, Hey, can you be on our show for 15 minutes? These are like hour plus conversations that we're having with these people, like, which is, you know, a huge compliment to us that they're willing to give us that amount of their time. Um, but also when we see them out and about at blue jackets related things, like, they're not like just waving at us. Like they are actively like coming over. We're getting hugs. We're having conversations and we're having conversations that are leading to future opportunities um, that we have coming up that are a very big deal um, and that we're very excited about. But it's really that ladder um that that ladder that we're climbing and building, but keeping keeping the people on the steps, if that makes sense. Um, but I will say the coolest thing for me was finding out because we had interacted with Catherine Dobbs like on social media leading up to our interview with her, but finding out that she was a fan of the Blue Jackets before she started working for them, like everything made sense to me at that point. Like every single thing that has happened in the last, like since I've become a fan and since she's been in her position, everything made sense. I was like, yes, I've always felt that the way that the Blue Jackets approach things were from a fan perspective and I couldn't figure out how they were getting it. And then the moment she said I was a fan, like the Blue Jackets were her team before she started working for them. I was like, everything makes sense. Like absolutely totally understand like we're in good hands like with her and her team so that would be probably my biggest insight yes they were all great interviews in their own way but when you have someone passionate about their fan base and then joining that fan base oftentimes that fan perspective can play a big role and so i think that is invaluable insight especially um, for an organization that is, you know, trying to find its way again after a rebuilding, air quotes, uh, rebuilding year. And so we move into our final question now, thinking about subjectively speaking as well. Y'all had some big milestones during this NHL season and during this recording season. You've had the subjectively speaking first birthday You've had the 100th episode of your podcast, and you had the first subjectively speaking road trip happen this season. When you think about the interviews that you've done, 
when you think about how far you've come in doing a hundred plus episodes with everyone and everything that the Blue Jackets have gone through as an organization um, and everything that you all have gone through personally on your lives outside of the podcast. When you think about this, what you're doing with this and growing this business with you and Jeremy, what is your vision for this podcast? Not just during the off season, but without maybe revealing any of the exciting announcements coming up, what can listeners expect going forward of subjectively speaking? And what do you plan to bring to the table next for everyone? I love this question. Um, First, because you reminded me of the hilarity that is kind of around those three like major things that you talked about, which is first of all, and I I don't, I don't actually know if we've said it on the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna out us right now. We were actually wrong about the day of our first like our birthday. We're off by one day, and we're not sure which way we are off. Um, because early on when we started the show, we switched. Um, or Jeremy did something where it ended up, we had had like maybe 12 episodes or something. And whatever he did, it ended up dating all of them the same. It gave them all the same date. And it was like some weird date in February. And we were like, well, that's not right. Cause we definitely started in January. And so I based our birthday off of a screenshot that I have in my phone and, and thought for sure that it was right. And then Jeremy found something that was like definitely questioned whether or not that's the day of when we launched the show. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of funny. We don't actually really know what our birthday is. We know the general area. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then just the idea that we have recorded over a hundred episodes um, from an idea that Jeremy had in the shower um, is just out like it's just crazy like that's the easiest way to describe it is absolute insanity um still 95 percent of my family does not understand what this is um and (laughs) or like why i'm doing it um but and i think it gets even crazier when i consider the things that are coming down um down the road but um yeah, it's it's crazy. And we we had this last year, um, or particularly like the last six months for Jeremy and I personally have been very, very tough. Um we've both gone through a lot of things like professionally and personally, obviously like outside of being the show. Um Jeremy obviously moved away, which was like a very big deal for both of us. Uh, We may or may not have had like a really emotional conversation on our way home from Michigan when we moved, like when we moved all of his stuff. Um, And he referenced this a couple weeks ago where I very much so thought like, and this is just like how I am, but like I very much so thought our show was going to be over. Like, cause I could, I just could not fathom. Well, first of all, I was just like, I was just devastated. My best friend was leaving the state and like, not that Grand Rapids is crazy far away. Like it's definitely drivable, 
But it's like, this is a whole new experience for him that I wanted him to have. I wanted him to be able to have like success in this experience in Grand Rapids and with his new job and like all this sort of stuff because he's been through so much and he deserves to have that and to have that happiness. And I really just did not want our show to like impede that. Um, And so we had this like crazy, like, crying conversation like in the car on the way home from Michigan which was you heard us talk people heard us talk about the Michigan experience like on the show it was madness like it was absolute madness it was a terrible time we both were sick the weather was terrible like it was just awful so hence the high emotional like context but um to think that we've gone through all that we, I think even more so after that conversation, like really buckled down to like, we want this to be something. We want this to be a big part of our lives. And we've worked so hard, so hard this season to like, keep, keep it going. Cause there's plenty of times like where we would release an episode and like, it just wouldn't get traction or it just wouldn't get the response that we thought it was going to and that can be really disheartening when you're spending a lot of time working on something and promoting something and like really trying um and it's also like because it's kind of a small market that we're like trying to break into um it can be really difficult because it's not like podcasting So podcasting for people who listen to podcasts makes total sense. They're like, yes, it's like listening to a radio show back in the day. Like, but people who don't know what podcasts are, like, which is still very much so a thing. Like, there are people that we have to explain what a podcast is. Um, And so we're still very much so trying to jump over that hurdle of, like, people figuring out what our entity is. And because of that, we've had to dive much further into like social media and like short form content and making that decision was probably one of the better decisions that we've made because it's going to allow us to really expand our reach over the course of this next season. And so we sat down and made like a list of goals. I'm not going to share all of them with you, but like um, just in case they don't happen and then I'll feel stupid. Um, (laughs) But it just like, we have some, we have some big, some big goals. um, Some of which if you would have asked us when we initially made the list, we're like, Ooh, I don't know if those are actually going to happen, but we, some doors have opened for us in the last month or so where with the right amount of effort and just a continued focus on our own success and our own growth. I don't think that there's a goal on that list that we can't achieve in the next year which is insane, which is absolutely insane. Like I still like every single day, um, 
when I think about this being a part of my life and I think about, you know, I mean, I'm currently, I have a notebook for, we're doing another episode series after these two episodes. And I have just like a notebook full of things like that I'm using for those episodes. And I just, it just is, is crazy. Like I just never thought, but it's the most fun. Even when things suck, it is the most fun. I could not ask for a better co-host. Um, obviously he's my best friend, but like, we've gotten so much closer in doing this show and in having this business because we are a business. That's a fun thing to explain to people too. And to the IRS, um, which is great. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's insane. And I, I, I don't know fully what the future looks like, but I think if you've gotten with a, if you've come along this far, please stay um, because some really exciting things and really exciting things are coming. But our biggest thing is letting our listeners and our, our community know that every opportunity that comes for us, we are turning it into content, into opportunities for you, into making this community better because this isn't like a singularly focused situation. We started this show very much so wanting to be the podcast where any fan of any level, brand new 22 plus year fan, like does hockey, knows everything about hockey, could come and feel comfortable and could engage with us and could engage with our community that we're building and that we could open more opportunities for other people, whether that be helping the community grow the game, whether that be using our voice to make things more accessible, to make the fan experience better, to even give people opportunities to go to their first hockey game. Um, we were very privileged in having tickets available to us um, through our season ticket holder stuff. And we couldn't go to games. We wanted to use those tickets to help someone else experience the Columbus Blue Jackets because that's what's most important for us. So any opportunity we get, we're taking that and giving it back to our listeners and our community because we wouldn't be here without them. And we hope that that community grows. So like I said, if you've made it this far, and again, I'm rambling, which is what I promised Stephen I wouldn't do in the beginning of this, please stick around because so much exciting stuff is coming for all of us. Um, and we're really, really excited. Um, and just shocked and amazed that this is how this has panned out. So I'm excited and I hope everyone else is too. Well, after that answer, I don't know who can't be excited about the future of subjectively speaking, to be quite honest with you. So I just thought of a final thing that I want to do for our exit interview together. And that is, I want you to give to the best of your ability, because I know Jeremy will probably go over all the same, but a quick, 30 second message to your co-host Jeremy go Ooh, Jeremy um first of all I try and tell you this every single day but and I mean it every single day I love you to pieces you inspire me you have seen me through just some of the worst shit in the last few years while also going through your own worst shit um and like I just said, I could not 
envision doing this with anybody else. Um, I love that we're on this journey together. And I hope that we continue to do it for many, many years to come. Um, Cause I'm just really, really proud of us. And so glad that we can bring our, our friends along with us too. Um, Cause I think we're just very, um, to make it cheesy, hashtag blessed to have such incredible friends that want to, that have encouraged this insanity. Um, but I love you. And we've got some really fun times ahead of us. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that message. I'm sure Jeremy will appreciate it. And Laura, that's all I have for your exit interview questions. I know before we jumped on, uh, and started recording together, Jeremy was on with us and said, I don't think anyone would be surprised <laughs> if our interview went an hour and 20 minutes long and his went a little bit shorter. And it looks like we're just almost at the hour and 20 minute mark. So yep. he wasn't I lying. <laughs> yes, I think once I once I uh, sign us out with all of the like things, we're definitely going to be there. And it just kills me that he's right. Um, just kills <laughs> That me. is true. That is true. But Laura, thank you for answering all of my questions that I have. Um, it's been fantastic getting to interview you, hearing your thoughts for the end of this season. And with that being said, I will turn the floor back over to you to end the episode and end the interview. Well, and Stephen, we can't thank you enough for giving us your time to do this. You recorded with me today um, and Jeremy tomorrow. And um, so we just really appreciate you and your support and all of this. Um, but yes, this is the conclusion of my exit interview. Um, this will be released on Tuesday. And then Stephen is going to conduct Jeremy's, which we will release on Friday of this week. Um, so yeah, uh, you can find all of the information about this episode by following us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. You can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. If you want to learn more about us and about the show, um, if you haven't already heard enough about me in this episode, um, you can check out our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. Um, if you want to support our, um, we, we have said this on the show, we're going to Finland with the team in the fall. And so if you want to support um, our travels, because um, it's not cheap to go to Finland, uh, please check out our merch store, subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com. Uh, buy some merch. We're going to have some new merch coming up here over the off season. Um, but every little bit will help get your two favorite hockey podcasters over to Finland to watch the Blue Jackets. Um, hopefully not get demolished by the Colorado Avalanche, but we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on on um if you're on apple Podcasts, scroll on down hit five stars it is our favorite number um we again we don't know why it matters but it helps us get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps draw people into our little community so other than that we just love and appreciate you all so much and to take a cue from jeremy we hope that you take care of yourselves take care of each other um and we will see you all next time bye